0: to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Here is my servant whom I uphold, My chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out, or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not stuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged, till he establish justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or pr- my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken pra- place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them. Let the wilderness and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Salah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a champion. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph. Over his enemies. For a long time I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do, I will not forsake them. But those who trust in idols, who say to images, you are our gods, will be turned back in utter shame. This is the word of God.
1: Good evening. Uh, My name is Mike, one of the pastors here. If you're new in the building or online, it's great to be with you tonight. I see a few faces that have come back from borders and whatnot. It's good to be here together. Um, This is a great passage. Do keep it open. If you've got a Bible that's that's bigger than just your leaflet, that's a good thing too. You'll see it in the broader context. If you've got the kind of flyer with the passage open, that is amazing to get God's word into you because this passage. This passage gives us a beautiful picture of Jesus. It's one of those Old Testament uh, kind of uh, parts of the Bible that just feels like straight up gospel. Uh, And in that picture of Jesus that this passage gives us, we also get a beautiful picture of how God sees us, but we'll have to come back to that at the end. Now, the opening verse from this passage uh, draws us straight into this beautiful picture when God says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, My chosen one in whom I delight. Who is God speaking about? Who is this one that God delights in? It kind of makes me think a bit about you know primary school merit award ceremony. Um, I've got very visual memories. When the teacher's kind of saying, now this one has been very good this week and I'm very happy with them. And everyone's thinking, is that me? Am I going to get it? Uh, Israel would have wanted God to be speaking about them. Does God delight in me? We might be thinking, does God delight in me? Now it's true that Israel is described as God's chosen servant. We read that just in the last chapter, but it's complicated because them and us are fully aware of the predicament we sit in and reasons why God might not delight in us. As Isaiah portrays the grand story of Israel, As much as they are God's chosen people, uh, his servants, they will end up in exile because they have resisted God's call to come back into mercy. And they'll be carted off into, um, uh, into Persia. And it's just not as simple for God to delight in them because they haven't listened to him. Now, Isaiah gives us a full sort of redemption story that we'll come back to. But this question of who is this servant that God delights in is a question that really drives this passage forward. Uh, It it makes us kind of search out for this this perfect Israel, this beautiful servant. Who is this one? Now, we begin with simply the sheer scope, the the magnitude, the glorious mission of the servant, And you might have noticed a a few words repeating uh, in that opening part of Isaiah 42. uh, As we look from verse 2 onwards, uh, as we look at the one who God has put his spirit upon, we see three times his mission is about bringing about justice. Mishpat in the Hebrew. We read, he will bring justice. Justice to the nations. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not be discouraged until he establishes justice. And we're not just talking about sort of a law and order version of justice. Uh, The the Hebrew kind of version of justice is is extensive and beautiful. And Isaiah captures much of that uh, because justice is littered throughout this book. It's nothing short of God's plan for all nations to find peace. Especially brought about through being in relationship with the creator God who brings life. God will take up the cause of the oppressed. Injustices will not be overlooked but instead corrected. It's a picture of peace. And if we skipped all the way to the end of Isaiah, we see the end goal. And uh, my, my son often reads books starting at the end, and it's a real killer for his friends, constantly spoiling things. But if we, if we do, we split to the end of Isaiah, we, we do get this picture of this incredible peace brought about by this servant. So much so that we see the ox and the lamb sitting together. The, the, the lion and the ox or the lamb and the wolf, sorry, and the lion and the ox. These animals that have animosity towards each other have found shalom, peace. This servant brings about the most glorious and extraordinary justice that we all long for and all in various ways are searching for and trying to enact. But this servant goes beyond our failings to achieve it. Verse 7, this servant's going to open the eyes that are blind. I can't do that. This servant is going to free captives from prison to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. He's not some kind of rebel doing some kind of jailbreak, uh, releasing random prisoners. This is a picture of of Israel who, who are stuck in captivity and are going to be released from that, redeemed. And yes, Cyrus, the Persian king who will kind of you know, uh, authorize that, is kind of a version of God's servant in a way, but even he pales into insignificance compared to the kind of cosmic justice, reconciliation, new life that this servant is going to bring about. It is a beautiful picture. And it's ultimately a picture of the spirit-empowered servant, Messiah, Son of God, Jesus, who will bring justice to the nations. The scope of this is just breathtaking but here's the thing. I've already said we're all pursuing this vision in some kind of way. It's just its so hard to seek justice. It's so hard to achieve this kind of vision. Now, because we might not be able to search on Google for much longer, I asked Facebook, what is the first thing to come to mind when you think of justice? Now, we've got all the memes that came up, Metallica, the album, and Justice for All. Uh, Andrew was quoting Handel's Messiah. I tend to go towards Metallica. Um, It's a great album if you're old like me. Um, but then the DC fans got out and think, when I, when I hear justice, I think Justice League and kind of, you know, the way these guys fight for justice. But then the Marvel guys got annoyed and I think Avengers. But we got past all the meme stuff and, and of the 75 comments, there were some really beautiful answers. Um, and, and it's put in kind of our, our modern terms. So when people think justice, they think fairness. They think the pursuit of kind of, uh, of a fair go for everyone. And, and it kind of captures that idea of, of lifting up the oppressed, Uh, In just the same way that the word equity, which is so much more powerful and comprehensive than equality, uh, and that little meme that you might have seen a few times, compares kind of equality where everyone gets the same thing versus equity, where where you're able to care and and creatively reach individuals to lift them all above that fence line, whether they're in a wheelchair, whether they're tall or short. It's a beautiful picture of seeking justice, of uh, seeking the needs of individuals and lifting all, it's beautiful. But even then, as we search through the comments, we quickly get past the kind of the beautiful vision of justice and we're just painfully aware of, of the cost of pursuing justice. A number of my friends are, are lawyers and working in the courts and, and they, were, they were grieved, to be honest, when they think about justice, they were grieved about the cost required to seek justice. So if you've got to take someone to the courts to pursue and overturn an injustice, you've got to pay dearly for that. That's sad that we have to do that. Uh, People think of of power, the power required to fight the cause of injustice. Uh, And and then then when you think power, you think of all the corruption. And just these last 12 months, we've seen this kind of power, corruption, fighting for justice, play out in all kinds of horrendous ways, in politics, in leadership, and in the church. I think of celebrity pastors I think of megachurch pastors. I think of the esteemed Ravi Zacharias, destroying their pursuit of the servant's mission by trading it for a selfish and so often sexual perversion of this vision. I don't have words to, to, to sort of speak to what's going on and what's being uncovered for Ravi. It is just appalling. And that God's people, who claim to be endorsed by him, pursuing This vision that we are called to, trashing it and dragging God through the mud. This servant in Isaiah carries with him God's power and endorsement. Can we trust him? He carries absolute power, which so often in this world corrupts absolutely. When we look at verse 5, we see what's behind this servant, what's resourcing him. This is what God the Lord says the Creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. That kind of power. That's what's behind this servant. That creator, life-giving God, calls this servant in righteousness and resources him with his spirit. It is a beautiful and challenging picture. But I've strung these things together from Isaiah 42 to make one part sing particularly to make the the vision and picture of Jesus that much more beautiful. As we tie these things together, as we ask these questions, what captures my attention most is the glorious way of this servant, the way he uses God's power. Read with me back from the beginning. Verse 2, he will not shout or cry out. Or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. This is no avenger with weapons and muscles. You know, when I was reading this passage just this morning, and particularly as we got to kind of the, the the song towards the second part of the chapter, and we see kind of the battle cry and the kind of the power to move mountains. There is so much power here. I've got this picture of kind of God's power that does move the earth, which is kind of like what we see in some of the Avenger movies of kind of just this kind of the power. But at the center of that whirlwind is not some Hulk smash, but a lamb. God's power and might are most powerfully seen in his tenderness. He will not scream at you Not raise his voice like an angry dad. He will in fighting for you not lose sight of the good in some kind of vengeful rage. The tenderness of this servant and his pursuit for justice is just extraordinary, if not ludicrous. But Let's just savor the imagery for a moment. Look at the way the servant's described as as kind of being able to uh, be aware of a bruised reed that he will not break. We've all kind of uh, walked along the shore of some lake or whatnot amongst the grasses and, and reeds. And we're, kind of, we're so kind of wrapped up in kind of that moment that we don't care or even a notice if there's a, a bruised or broken reed ahead and there's certainly a wake of bruised and broken reeds behind us as we run through it. This is a picture of one who is able to identify the reed in the masses and he will not break it. A smoldering wick, you know, just, just at that moment where it's, it's kind of giving up its last potential to reignite in a, and sort of in a puff of smoke when it's so much easier just to blow it out and start again, this servant will take the time and the care to fan that little flicker back into a flame. Israel is that smoldering wick. We are that bruised reed. And in our brokenness, we are not positioned well to seek justice, to fight for our cause. We are part of the human condition, sinful humanity, part of the problem. But this servant, instead of bringing justice with power and vengeance, pursues justice in the most tender way. God sends his spirit-empowered servant, Jesus, to pursue us, to bind us up, to release us from captivity from sin, and to usher us into this new vision of justice, of peace, of new life. And we see that so clearly. Matthew 12, where we find this passage from Isaiah quoted. One of the clearest kind of passages quoted from Isaiah, if not the Old Testament, pointing towards Jesus and his mission. This is the servant. There's this moment where Jesus has just healed a man who has stretched out his his diseased hand. And in that moment of healing, the Pharisees look in on this moment and they begin to plot to kill him. And what Jesus doesn't do, because he's fully aware of what's happening, is he doesn't use his power to to sort of push them away, take them down. He instead withdraws. And a large crowd follow him, and he healed all who were ill, Matthew writes. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, Matthew records. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one who I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. We see how he resists violence to care for people, how he chooses the tender path, how he does not take up equality with God, something to be grasped and used for his own advantage, but instead pursues us all the way to the cross to lay down his life. That's how this servant pursues justice. A justice that is good and doesn't destroy us in the process because he tenderly cares for us. Here's the rub. Anyone who has practiced the call to love like Jesus, to turn the other cheek, to be blessed as the meek, the peacemaker, the persecuted, to seek justice and to do mercy like Jesus, you will know that it costs you dearly. It will feel foolish. And God knows you need wisdom and patience and his spirit to pursue it. We need to know it's worth it. Verse 8 and 9 gives us that assurance that the Lord is in this. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And that's exactly what happened. God was in it. He released Israel from captivity. He has released us from the captivity of sin. And He has declared that, proclaimed it in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He has vindicated this truly is the glorious and most powerful way. This is the Lord's way to bring justice, to lift you up. And as we seek justice and do mercy, friends, I want you to be encouraged. We are called to be a people who are gentle and Christ-like. Just this week, a good friend reminded me that it's often in these grim moments, these hard moments, that there is power available. He encouraged me to say, rejoice, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. For the Lord is near. And he is indeed. I want to loop back to the question I asked at the beginning God delights in this servant does he delight in you But let me go straight to the words of Jesus as he is carrying out this this mission of the servant as he is embodying everything that Isaiah has pointed to he speaks to his disciples just before he takes up his cross for them and for us and he says I no longer call you servants because servants don't know the master's will. But instead I call you friends. Jesus has brought us into the the innermost of inner circles. He is the one that calls us friends. Because in Christ we are made brothers and sisters of Christ. We are raised up as co-heirs with him. We are children of God. And just in that kind of sad and sorry moment when you're kind of practicing your I'm a hopeless son kind of speech, that's when God cuts you off and embraces you as he did the prodigal son and reminds you of the dignity and the worth he has given you in Jesus as a child of the living God. Friends, if you are unsure where you stand with God or how he sees you, look to Jesus, the one God has delighted in And now delights in you because of him and all that Jesus has secured for us. This glorious servant has ushered in a new justice and peace and new life, and it's available to all who would accept his gift. We are going to constantly mess up our pursuit of justice, of the good. We will be impatient, we will struggle but let us be filled with the spirit that empowered this servant, this Jesus, and ultimately raised him from the dead. And trust him. And out of that comes a song of praise. A genuine, heartfelt, overflowing, sing to the Lord a new song. Because he has done a marvelous thing. Praise his name.